This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. We've got El Hombre Michael Bradley joining us at 5 o'clock here with Wyman and Bob. Seattle Sports on 710. Make sure you stay tuned for that. But, uh, Dave, I don't know if you were paying attention to the, the uh, snapshot there. but Oh, yeah. Boy, there's, everybody wants everything to be quicker, just more action, be faster pace. I want to get out of here. Uh, so college football, related, we've been talking a lot, and we'll talk more about baseball and the new rules and what we've seen and what we like, what we don't like. But interesting that they're looking at, at college football now, and they're having meetings in Indianapolis this week and going over three uh, rule changes out there that they think could, could lop off a, a whopping seven to eight minutes and eight plays per game. <laughs> Why, man? I don't. You know, again, we we talk about this. Like, what, if you're going to the game, like you're investing a lot of time. You go, you park. You know, it's an all day event. Is eight minutes going to make it a better? experience for you eight fewer plays yeah well and like you know some of the people i like the way one of the textures put it last friday when when we were on that i'm getting robbed <laughs> i'm getting robbed of all of those extra minutes and you know one of them one of the stats well i just did my own little hokey math but 81 hours three and a third days uh of you know baseball that you're not seeing because they're trying to get down to an average of two and a half instead of three. So, but yeah, the college football. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe there's some pressure. A lot of times, it is somewhat annoying when you're watching. You tune in to watch a game at three o'clock, and it's like uh, the game goes to overtime or it goes mm-hmm. long or whatever, and you have to go to some other channel that you can't get in order to to watch it. But yeah, I don't know why there's all of a sudden this urgency to get every sporting event just. Let's get to it, get it out of the way, and then move on yeah. to the next one, kind well, the, of feels like. I guess the distinction I would draw between baseball and this is baseball, you know you're still getting nine innings. You're going to get three outs each each half inning. You're going to So the, the fundamental part of the game doesn't change in that aspect. Here they're eliminating plays, and not that there's a traditional number of plays attached to every game, certainly, but they're saying if we implore, imply these uh, – if we, if we bring in these new rules – it should amount to saving, again, uh, shorten the average length of games by seven to eight minutes and eight plays. So you're, you're taking away plays that might otherwise happen, whereas in baseball, yeah, it's, it's quicker, but you're still getting nine innings. You're still getting the same number of, of outs and everything there, yes. just at a faster pace. And so they're running the clock after, as you said, first down is awarded. That's different. Yeah, except in the, except last, in the last two, last minutes, two minutes of either half. Right, and then eliminating the option for teams to call consecutive team timeouts, and then carrying over any fouls to the next period instead of finishing with an untimed down. Okay, so no untimed down. So yeah, they're trying. Yeah, and I, I guess uh, to me it's an investment that you make. I don't know that people. I mean, when's the last time you heard a sports fan say, you know, I, it was a great experience game, but it was just too damn long. It was too long. It was ridiculous. We didn't get out of there until this time. I don't know. I just, to me, it, it, and this seems pretty subtle, the college football thing. But yeah, all of a sudden everybody's kind of jumping on board. And it's kind of funny that, especially if Major League Baseball starts the momentum for this, because Major League Baseball has been loath to change ever. 
right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at every other, and that was what MLB Network and guys like Raul Abanez were was saying that, you know, this is a every other sport they change rules all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the merit. Baseball hasn't so, but now college football following that path. That's that's just kind of strange to me. Yeah, I don't. Baseball, we've heard the complaints. We've heard that over the years. It's too slow. It's too long. And that's usually from casual fans. Now, there are some fans that have been hardcore fans that feel that way or agree. But the majority of that complaining came from a younger fans. That's why they're trying to appeal to the youth. You know, they want to bring them in, obviously, create the next generation of fans. But it's usually a casual fan. But you've heard it about baseball. That's not a new complaint. Too slow, not enough action, takes too long. I haven't heard that about college football. Doesn't mean there aren't bad games. Doesn't it's the same with the NFL or NBA or any other sport. You can hockey. You can just be sitting there going, "What a dreadful game." That happens in every sport. But by and large, I don't recall hearing anything about the NFL, college football, college basketball, in the way of not enough action. It takes too long. Right? Have you? No. Not at all. Not at all. And so, and again, you know, uh, now Brock told us yesterday that uh, that it, when you're there in person, it's not as big of a deal. But, but again, yeah. And I, I also, I don't like, I don't like being sold. I don't like things that are you know crammed down your throat. And one of the things I heard on Major League Baseball, I just thought was particularly funny. That uh, they said, you know, and if you take your kids to the ballpark on a school night, you don't have to worry about them getting to bed too late for the next day. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, they're trying to part of the fun. Every last part. Yeah. And if you're a kid, you're like, I don't want to go home and go to bed. This is a blast, you know. So, yeah, it's just uh, uh, to me, I don't I don't know that we'll see how people react. I just especially with college football, I don't remember anybody complaining about it being too long. Yeah, it's just it's it's an odd thing, and and somebody saying, well, they're trying to limit the wear and tear on the players. All right, so you eliminate eight plays. Yeah, I, I guess if you extrapolate that out, it's going to be X amount. Of, you know, if they play what twelve games now, whatever twelve times eight used to be, I'm sure it still is, Dave. Uh, it'll be that many fewer <laughs> plays. Um, but yeah, okay, is that the is that the motivation for this, or is it to shorten it? It sounds like, hey, we're going to lop off seven to eight minutes. And eight plays. Yeah. So it sounds like almost a side effect to speeding the game up because, but I'm, I, I guess I'm just wondering what they're responding to. In baseball, I understand what they're responding to because, as we just talked about, that's kind of been a long time complaint you've heard about baseball. I, I just haven't heard it about football or any other sport no. for that matter, to be honest. You know, it's funny. When I first started watching baseball, I remember one time dozing off. And I used to kind of say, you know, yeah, it's a good sport like golf. Yeah. You know, you, you want to take a nap. So I dozed off and then, you know, I woke up when they, they were talking and I ran it back and I counted because I was I had TiVo at that time, so I run it back about where I fell asleep. They didn't. Nobody said anything on the TV broadcast for forty seconds. <laughs> that's and what that's put you why to sleep. I dozed off. But <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that, that that will not happen anymore. And you know, I think the guy stepped in, stepped out, and whatever. And they're just watching him. They're, the ambient crowd noise is going in the background, and I was just like. <sighs> kind of just dozed off there and yeah that's not going to happen now so that part of it i get the other thing you know we heard from uh, julio i thought it was well thought out for you know i know he's he's 21 22 i mean he's a very smart guy and everything but you know he was the one that brought up the fact that there's less wear and tear on the players like you just talked about Mm -hmm. with the the texture on college football you know he was saying hey look on some of these road games when they have like a getaway day they're playing a game remember last year they played a game with the nationals and then they had to fly to texas (laughs) 
mm-hmm. you know, and that was right before the all-star break, I think. And so, you know, now you're, you're on that plane a little bit earlier. You get in your bed a little bit earlier. Now you're getting there at three 30 instead of four, <laughs> but still, yeah, I guess every minute in that scenario counts. It, add, it adds up over the years. Like I said, the, you know, 81 hours of, uh, of baseball that will go away. And, you know, I think it, it, it needed to be shaved down a little bit. I wonder, though, I wonder if after this year they'll be like, okay, it's a little bit too fast. It's not what we thought it was. So far in spring training, it doesn't seem to be like a big cluster. Yeah, and and, and I, I think I told you on that conference call with Raul speaking with the media, it sounds like they're open to adjusting. Like they've kind of refined it at the minor league level. Here's what we've come up with. We're going to implement it this year. Sounds like if there's a, a consistent theme, like everybody hates this, whatever it is, the 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 disengagement from the rubber. I'm just throwing that out there. Then maybe they alter it. They'll they'll look at it. I feel like they're open. That was sort of the implication that they're kind of open to looking at. All right, let's see where we're at at the end of the year, and you know, take everybody's. As he said, there's never a consensus. I think I asked him, has there been any any opposition to this? Is there have you experienced much of that? And for the, he said, there's no consensus on anything ever, but. It's been, by and large, really received well, is what it sounded like. So, yeah, I would say if maybe by the end of the year we're looking at it going, man, they, that clock is too, it's got to be 20 seconds. And maybe with a runner on, it's 25. Maybe they maybe they make a move like that. I don't think anybody's going to complain about the bases because so far, you know, I know it's only four or five games. I, I forgot about them. <laughs> it, it makes me kind of mad at the guys that were selfish about it, though, that led to this. The guys that, you know, step out and have to redo no. their gloves every single time. And I guess, you know, you talked about Castillo because he's always adjusting and everything. But I don't know. I, I always felt like the batters in particular were just being selfish. Oh, yeah. Like, dude, come on. Let's hurry it up here. You're, you know, gamesmanship. And then they do yeah. the, the classic, Dave, is, is when they'll get in there and you see them, they're getting, and then they'll go, They'll act like they got some time out, oh, got something in my eye. Yeah. And you see them look around. Okay, it's gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that happens a lot. A lot of things get in the batter's eye. Yeah, that's funny. I never really, uh, I never really uh, noticed that. But you yeah. haven't seen that one? That, that happens seen a that, lot. Yeah, the well, fake eye, you know, and I'm sure, bug in the eye. I'm sure things happen at times. I'm sure it's, it's honest at times. But there, Sometimes there, there really is a bug. Sometimes you see a guy just kind of sit there, look around, going, huh? Huh? Okay, I got it. Like, yeah. Oh, good. All right. Let's yeah, continue. So, yeah, I mean, it, to me, those those guys were selfish. And I, I just remember, like, I guess the first time I heard this phrase, and I'm sure it's old in baseball, is the human rain delay. Oh, yeah. First time I heard it was Marco when he called that called Adam Ray the human yeah. rain delay. But, uh, yeah, well, those, there were certain managers that would take a long time to walk from the dugout to the mound. Yeah. And they, they just refer to them as that. And James Baldwin, who was a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, took an eternity to walk from the mound to the dugout and from the dugout to the mound. Just tiny little slow steps and just, yeah, different guys have been called that, but including our buddy Adam Ray. Uh, but yeah, it, it'll it'll be, I'll be interested to see if anything changes at the end of the season. If they say, okay, we, we you know, we've taken everybody's opinion into consideration here and we've kind of come up with an idea. I think we're going to change this. We'll, we'll extend this clock or we're going to keep this here and we'll change that or I don't. I, I certainly don't think anything will change. I think the only thing they would adjust, obviously, would be the. I don't think they're going to go. Oh, okay, the bigger base is no good. We're going back to traditional. I don't see that changing. I don't see the shift changing. No. If anything gets altered, it'll be the clocks. It'll be the the pitch clock and maybe the disengagement what, from the rubber. What do you think's more important? Like if they had to pick one, 
one of these rules, whether it's you know either the pitch clock or the shift, or the, to me, I, I feel like the shift is the most important. I feel like yeah, they, uh, because they want more action. Because action, right? Yeah. You know, and okay, if it's going to be a long game and all that, then okay, fine. But at least it's going to be action packed. Yeah, there'll be, be more offense. There'll be yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, I think that's that's the big one, and I, I really thought that was going to be the one that was most in focus in spring training, and it's not been. It's been definitely been the uh, the pitch clock. Yeah, we'll we'll get to some NFL here in a moment, but is there what's what stood out to you so far? Whether it's the rules or whether it's just the Mariners themselves, anything stood out to you? Yeah, acknowledging it's a handful of spring training games. <laughs> yeah, I feel like well, I keep having to throw that disclaimer out there. Yeah, exactly. And I I did that yesterday too because we were complaining. I, it was what's bugging Dave yesterday. So you know, I did the whole thing about you know having to hurry up and the, mm. the pitch clock and all that stuff, and you know just complaining about the hours that were taken away. But no, I, I don't remember last year. You know, you mentioned spring training. Eugenio Suarez had like three or four errors, like. And they were, I think, I think they were in a row, in a in row. consecutive days or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and so you know, the big joke we always make when we're at spring training is, oh, he's working on stuff, you know. Yeah. Then, then you know, the the pitchers because Marco got shelled the other day, pretty good at the beginning of that that game, and so, but you know, you you just kind of go, all right, well, maybe they're working on stuff. I don't know. I have a hard time because I'm more of a football guy. I. I feel like in football preseason, don't care. It doesn't matter at all. There are certain things I look for. And I guess I take it a little bit more seriously in spring training in baseball when I probably shouldn't. Yeah, and and what's funny is to hear the interviews because I I was watching that game with Marco and they did an interview with him in the dugout and he smiles and light and hey how you feeling oh man I really like the way this pitch was working I can't remember which pitch he was talking about but felt good he goes but boy you know I'm so used to you know late in the season you go six or seven you feel great. Spring takes a while to get your legs. He goes, I was gassed. <laughs> Talk about going two innings, and now he was running out of gas in, in two innings, and that's kind of what was happening there. And clearly wasn't taking it seriously that, oh, I got lit up, or these guys were squaring everything up on me. He felt good about what happened out there. So it's it's always interesting. You look at the box score and go, oh, boy, that, that wasn't good. And then you hear them talk about, yeah, I, I liked what was happening with this pitch. And they, they have that, especially a veteran. They go in there and know, okay, I'm working on – couple of things here mechanically or this particular pitch and I used to crack up because Graz would go you know they'll go out there and throw the same pitch five six times in a row I'm like no they don't no they don't do that you know they'll be working on that one pitch they'll just keep throwing it over and over and over and like yeah they may work on it throughout the game but they're not you know Dave's up at the plate I'm not throwing you three straight curveballs or, or five straight curveballs six straight curveballs they're gonna they're gonna mash that on all of them. I'm gonna dive out of the way. By <laughs> yeah. the way, because it looks like it's coming at my head. He used to say, it "Cracked me up with that." But yeah, they are working on things certainly, and yeah. so I I think you hear it in their interviews or their conversations afterwards. Where if it were a regular season game, maybe they're going, "Ugh, I didn't have it today. I couldn't find it. Couldn't find my rhythm." Spring, it's all about man. I was out there for two innings, and I was I was feeling it. I was mm-hmm. I was sucking wind out there. So that was kind of interesting. But as, as far as Things that have stood out. Yeah. What, there have been some you? good things. I mean, it, Kelnick, I, li- I like seeing what he's doing. I think as much as we qualify and go, yeah, it's spring, it's a handful of games, for somebody like him, I think that's a big deal. I think it's a big deal for him to see that ball go over the fence or land in the outfield or get through the infield, whatever it is. I think for a guy that's had as much spotlight, as much conversation about what he's not doing, just to see it, just to experience those moments of success. 
games like that are a big deal. I, I think that can have carryover for somebody like him. So that that was cool to see. Evan White, to me, as much as I, I love Ty France at first base, he's done a great job there, and I've got no issues with him if he's their everyday first baseman. But when you watch Evan White at first base, there is a difference. You just see it. It is just like France is really good, and then there's Evan White. And we've heard Jerry say he might be one of the best he's ever seen and, you know, a lot of hyperbole. But you do see a different grace and a different kind of natural ability. I, I, I have a hard time articulating. It's just something your eyes tell you when you watch him there. Well, he makes it look effortless. And he kinda. makes the plays. And he, he, he had a great play where he fielded the ball and fired to home. And then they threw it back. And the, the guys on the broadcast were talking about, yeah, not many people are going to make that throw or going to make that play. And just... He does it, and he does make it look easy. And then he hit a home run the other day, which may have been aided by the wind. I'm not sure, but just well, good to cares? see him out there. Yeah, and that was the one run the Mariners scored, I think. That was it. It's the yeah. White Sox, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a guy that would... There's two guys that really, I think, that would solve just a ton of problems. And, you know, you could probably throw Brash in there. I, I, I think he's going to be really interesting. Maybe he makes a difference in the bullpen. But, you know, when you look at Evan White and you look at Jared Kelnick, those two right there. I mean, you know, obviously JP needs to step up, step back up to, to his game. But, you know, I think uh, we, we talked about JP yesterday. Do you think it's it's interesting that he bought a house here? You know, that he because he used to go back to L.A. And I think, you know, kind of like investing in it's almost like you're investing in your career, like you're going to yeah. make Seattle your home. And I know he's working out in Renton and uh, I think he's at Driveline, mm-hmm. you know, working, working out there. But um, he's kind of a guy that is you know, a little bit interesting. Not as much to me as as Kalnick and and Evan White, but those two guys, like I said, if they're able to hit, and that's the problem for both of them, we know they can both field. We know mm-hmm. that uh, Jared Kelnick's really in good shape, and we know this because Brock Heward <laughs> oogled him. When you oogle somebody long enough, Dave, you know yeah. if they're in good shape or not. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, look, those are those are the problems. I think with, with Kalnick, it's it's between his ears much more than Evan White, but Evan White's got got to find his bat. Yeah, and durability, availability. Yeah. You know, that's that's the other part with him. <laughs> you see him, yeah, I, I'm worried about watching him run down the first baseline. Like, is he going to pulse? Is the hip going to come into play? Is, you know, is he going to dive for a ball and all of a sudden he comes up gimpy or, you know, it just, I feel like he's made of glass. And that's mm-hmm. maybe that's not fair, but he's just had such a, a bad run of injuries and just being unavailable that, yeah, we forgot he had a hard time hitting. He was a brilliant defender, won a gold glove. Yeah. Couldn't really back up the offense part of it and needed to work on that, but he hasn't really had the opportunity to because he hasn't been able to get on the field physically. So it was it's just been good to watch him at first base, and you really do see just how really, really good he is defensively. If he could hit, that would be amazing. That would be an amazing problem for this team to have to figure out what do we do, what do we do, does Ty become our DH, and mm-hmm. he spells Evan at first, What? how are we going to do that? And then Chris Flexen. He looked like Chris Flexen to me when I saw him out there. Gave up a couple of hits, got himself out of trouble, around the strike zone. Just He's just remarkably consistent. He's not overpowering. He's not the dominating guy, but he's he's one of those guys you feel like you can just kind of count on to give you a good effort most of the time. You're going to get a quality start out of him. He's going to give you, more often than not, a chance to win. And I think there's value to that. I don't know what the Mariners' plans are if they are looking at him as you know dangling him out there as a trade piece because pitching's at a premium. So he, maybe he's got you know, tremendous value to a team out there that desperately needs somebody to eat innings and give them a chance to win. But he's he's a nice piece to have. I don't know how they're going to use him, but just watching him going, 
Man, he just looks like he always does. Yeah, well, and then, you know, if he if somebody does get hurt, you feel okay about him being part of the starting rotation because he yeah. because he was and he was a huge surprise in 20 was it 2021. So, yeah, it, it's uh, that's that's uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, the other thing I'm really excited about is to get down to Peoria and get a chance to talk to the guys like mm-hmm. Evan White. I mean, we he's kind of a pandemic guy where we never got a chance to talk to him right. in person and just see what kind of guy he is. He was one of our favorite interviews that that we could have been nicer. Yeah. So, uh, really quick, did I tell the Soto story? Did I tell you that, or, or was it I off? I think you air? told me off the air. Yeah, because Ryan Roland Smith was talking about because you know I, I don't think it can be undervalued how how important it is to be a good guy and a good clubhouse guy. And he was telling the story about Soto, who just is an incredible baseball player, mm-hmm. but. You know, he's talking about how at a, at a party that, uh, he was one of those guys that was going around and introducing himself and probably everybody at the, the, you know, party knew who he was. Right. But he's, you know, and then he's picking up stuff afterwards and, you know, just being that kind of guy. One of the guys I, I rooted for, Shed Long, didn't work out for Shed Long, but when we were down there for spring training, he would do the interview and then he would just kind of hang around and talk to us. Yeah, I was like, so what? What are you guys doing? You know, he's like, where do you guys live? You know, he's asking us all these mm. questions, and I'm like, I love Shed Long. I want to root for Shed Long, man. <laughs> he's not my favorite yeah. player. So I mean, that's that's the kind of thing too. And I think for the spring training is really a, a good deal for the fans. I mean, if I was if I was a huge baseball fan and had a, you know my family, it, that is that is such a great trip because the players are really they make themselves very accessible. Yeah, and then you see them, you know, they'll walk from the the stadium where they play right over to the clubhouse and it's probably a hundred yard walk and you know you see fans coming up to them and nobody's mobbing them or anything but well maybe julio we'll we'll see about that (laughs) but but yeah it's it's a great experience and and especially for us just getting to know the team we kind of do when we go out to edgar's you know we get a chance to to interview those guys but spring training just so laid back and you know blowers is standing around and you know dave sims and everybody's just sort of hanging it's just a it's a great atmosphere yeah i'm looking forward to it we'll be there in the uh at the end of march yep so that's going to be fun the way it's fun watching on tv i mean it looks great the weather appears to have turned and it's nice you see people sitting out on the berm in shorts and tank tops and yeah it was snowing at my house this morning yeah it snowed at my house big time last night goodness i want out of here yeah yeah we're ready to go so uh yeah it looks like nothing but good stuff happening out there all right coming up is it more likely that julio doesn't bat lead off this year we'll get into that next with wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710 Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We'll be talking to El Hombre Michael Bradley coming up at 5 o'clock, so stay tuned for that. You guys can weigh in whenever you'd like throughout the show each and every day on the text line 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Uh, that's there for you. Meanwhile, uh, we, we've talked a bit about this, and we touched on this earlier in the show for those just tuning in, just about the leadoff spot. So far this spring, I think they played, what now, five games, including today's game. I think Colton Wong has let off three of those. Julio is let off once, and Sam Haggerty is let off once. And, and it is spring. I mean, they you know half the time you go out there and you're going, wait, who are the who are the guys in this? <laughs> you look at the lineup, you, you recognize like two names because they're getting everybody work and they're they're moving guys around and all of that. So I don't put a ton of stock into it, but I'm wondering if even as much as 
Scott has been kind of like, hey, you know, Julio bat somewhere near the top one, two, three, somewhere. He's just kind of nonchalant about it. And Jerry has, you know, we, we played this earlier for those that missed it. He was asked about how long do you expect Julio to be your leadoff hitter? None of this, by the way, is about, hey, man, you got to get a leadoff hitter. He's just not that good there. He's a pro. He's that, it's anything but that. It's more about he's so good. He's your best hitter. You want him in a spot. At least I do in a spot to do damage, which means he comes up with runners on base, hopefully more often in a hitting in the two spot, three spot. You know, your one and two guys are typically some of your better hitters. They're going to get on base as opposed to your seven, eight, nine hitters who would typically be up before him as the game goes on and be maybe not on base as often as you'd like. So that's sort of the motivation behind the whole conversation. But Jerry, being asked about how long will Julio be your leadoff hitter? Uh, for as long as he wants to. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's 17 years, if I had to, to plug one single number. But, I mean, truly, it's it, some of what we talked about moments ago about the, the, the way speed has a chance to, to change in the game or, or – the implementation of speed on the bases in the years to come might shift us back, you know, toward what, uh, what leadoff hitters look like 25, 35, 40 years ago. But right now leadoff hitters, oftentimes they're just your best hitters and, you know, get them the extra at bat, hit them at the top of the order. You know, who's our best guy at getting on base? Probably Julio. Yeah. So, you know, he didn't really give any supporting stats, but he said basically nowadays you put your best hitter out there. And, yeah. But we didn't hear, and I guess maybe we can talk to him down in Peoria and ask what's the what are the stats? What's the math to get to to that decision there? But yeah, and you know, I, I think with Julio, you get him on, and he's one where. I do think the the throw over, first of all, you got two throw overs maximum and then either it's a balk or you better pick the guy off. Mm-hmm. And then and then I think if if it is if you don't get him, don't doesn't every base runner move up? Yeah. I it's believe a, it's a balk. Yeah. So. so yeah, even if you have a, a guy on third. Yeah. So I mean there's that. And then the the bases are a little bit bigger. So, you know, if his on base percentage it was what, three forty five uh last year. I mean that's I think he can do some damage in that way, that's for sure. Yeah, it's he can listen, as a as a leadoff hitter, I feel just fine with him there because I've got faith in his ability to get on base. Then I'm relying on guys behind him to drive him in. And there's certainly Kate Teoscar Hernandez is a guy who can do that. You know, uh, Ty France is a guy who, when he's not hurt, is a contact machine. So these are guys that can get it done. But he's, I think we all acknowledge he's probably your best hitter, your most likely guy to get on base, your most likely guy to, to you know, come up with extra base hits. And in that scenario, you'd love him to do that with runners on. That's mm-hmm. that's the whole motivation. We had people texting and going, "Well, this gets some extra at bats." I'm aware of that, but my I want him to have as many at bats as possible with runners on. Mm-hmm. I want him to have as many opportunities to hurt the opposition as possible. And unless the guys and and maybe it, it, this isn't selling them short because I don't know what the lineup's going to be, and they may have great years. I'm we're just playing with it now, saying, "All right, let's say it's uh, J.P. Crawford, it's Kelnick, and." I don't know who who else would be down there. Um, uh, Cal, maybe Cal Raleigh seven. Maybe he's seven. I think he'd probably be higher. But let's just for the sake of this argument say it's Cal Raleigh who didn't have a great on base last year. Was under three hundred. Uh, J P Crawford and it's Kelnick. They, they might have 
bounce back years. You know, JP didn't have a great, had a brilliant first month, and then then it went a different direction. Kelnick, we've talked a, a ton about. Maybe maybe uh, Cal takes that next step. And instead of becoming the guy that comes up with the big moments, he's got more of those moments. He's just becoming more consistent, at least getting on base. Then having Julio in the leadoff spot isn't as punitive. It's not you don't feel like it's as much of a yeah, he might get that extra at bat, but he's coming up with the bases empty, you know, three or four times or four or five times. I, I just want him to it's about providing opportunity for him. Is, right. is all it's about. Yeah. And although uh, he must like it. I think he likes it. And yeah. we're, I was talking to Shannon about that a little bit. Shannon Dreher, our Mariner insider. And she was saying, yeah, he likes to be the, you know, the first guy out there and the whole show. And then, you know, after that, like, then it's everything kind of gets out of whack and, you know, you're, you're following your, your six, you know, your seven, eight, nine or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, t- uh, I think he likes doing that. It's not going to be a problem getting him out there. I, I think a lot of, there's some guys that don't like to lead off. So, uh, by the way, yeah, Cal, his on base percentage was 284 last year. What did I say? Julio was 345, something like that. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. I don't remember talking this extensively about um, a leadoff hitter in spring in a long time. And now we're sitting there worrying about that. You know, I think it's interesting. (laughs) We got got Mike in Federal Way sending a lineup for the the Mariners uh, game three, 1995 Mariners playoff game (laughs) in their lineup. Vince Coleman was your leadoff hitter. This is more traditional, fast guy who can steal bases. Yes. Joey Cora was two. Ken Griffey Jr., your best hitter, was three. And Edgar, your next best hitter, was four. Tino Martinez, Jay Buner, Mike Blowers hitting seventh, Luis Soho at eight, and Dan Wilson at nine. How about wow. that? Wow. How about that? I like that. Yeah, that's nice. Hopefully we'll be reading this uh, this lineup this year in, in that regard 20 years from now. Wow. They had it great. They were stacked back then. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun to watch whatever they do with the lineup, and and I've got faith that that you know whoever's it, whether it's JP, whether it's Kelnick, Cal, whoever's at the bottom, that uh, they're gonna they're gonna find their way. I, I've got I've got faith that they're gonna that JP most certainly he's got more of a track record that he's gonna bounce back from whatever was happening last year, and that hopefully Kelnick finds it. We've talked we've said it a million times. If he starts hitting, that solves so many problems for this team. So, hopefully he's going to be part of uh, the solution down there and be on base a ton with Julio coming up. That'd be awesome. By the way, a few uh, home runs today. Uh, the little recap here. Jake Anchia Am I saying that right? Anchia? Or is it Anchia? Anyway, had a home run. Ty France and Teoscar Hernandez crushed All homered. Crushed him. The the Hernandez one looked like it went over the batter's eye, and they showed a guy who was out there, a fan, mm-hmm. like he was running out of the stadium. Like there's a chain link fence past the batter's eye oh, over wow. the berm, and he was running toward it, like that ball was leaving the the facility. He hits the ball hard, hit it real hard. All right, coming up, Julio collided with the wall yesterday. We'll hear about that from him when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on seven ten. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Julio had a collision with the wall yesterday that caused everyone to hold their breath. But he said it's tough to not play full speed. I mean, I feel like 
you gotta hold your, yourself to a high standard no matter what game you play. I feel like I don't want to go take a bad at bat because it's spring training, or I don't want to say, oh, I'm gonna save it for the season. I feel like every time I step on the field, I want to win. I know it's a spring training game, but there's a score, so I feel like I'm trying to win and like help the guys to kind of like lift everybody up to win. So I feel like it doesn't matter if it's spring training, regular season, the backfield, whatever. I feel like I'm just trying to win. He's growing up before our, our very eyes, Bob. Our little baby. Our baby boy is growing up. years old now, 22. Um, <laughs> Just turned 22. What an awesome thing to say. That's And here's how you get hurt by playing half speed. That's that's how you get hurt. So, I mean, I know everybody's going to freak out over, uh, you know, over him, you know, running into the wall in spring training. It's a meaningless game, but he's absolutely right, man. The one time I decided I thought I was going to take it easy in a game, I got hurt. It was when I was in high school. So I learned my lesson early in my junior year in high school. But what were you doing? Just not running no, quite as just, fast or trying not to hit as hard? For me, it was more like a, I would get so nervous before games that I would puke and I would get all this, you know, energy. <laughs> And I was like, I'm not going through that. You know, we're going to the state championship game. This game's, you know, not that. And I, I ended up getting hurt. And I, it, maybe it was random, but still to that, to this day, I'm always like, that's how you get hurt. And so, like he said, you know, it doesn't matter what the game is. You go play your game. Play the way that you're going to play. Sweeping the dial. Broncos head coach Sean Payton discussed at the Combine how he plans to establish a good team culture. Beyond people, it's every detail. Every every little thing matters. Um, in, in almost an obsessive way that um, because all of those details matter inside the framework of the field. And, and we obsess as coaches and teachers on, on doing the little things well. But that has to exist in every other area of your building and you know in your equipment room in your training room in your cafeteria you know the the building all moves in a direction kind of in concert and that's pretty cool when that happens i like sean payton yeah he well you know who he's good buddies with our guy mark schlereth yeah yeah they're good they're good friends so um well, i like him even more now yeah <laughs> but uh yeah i think it's interesting to see that he's going to get uh, hooked up there with Russ and maybe Russ go, has gone through a humbling year. That's the coach he kind of wanted to play for anyway. He, he hasn't. I don't know what a humbling year is then. Yeah. So um, yeah, and those two working like we were talking about, we don't care about the Broncos for another, what, three or four years unless the Seahawks meet him in the uh, Super, in Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah. So yeah. I, by the way, did you see, we didn't have audio. I was reading Bob Condota's article in the Times and he was, you know, Pete and John are out there at the uh, Combine and yeah, Pete was fairly complimentary. Not, I went. He wasn't effusive, but he was just talking about Russell. Were you surprised at Russell's year, or something along those lines? And he was like, "Yeah," and basically saying, "I, I expect he's going to come out the other end of this." And he's he's not that player, and he was, you know, expecting him to look more like Russell Wilson next year. I think it's it's a, it was an interesting year that coaching really came into play, like how valuable that is, mm-hmm. how valuable coaches are, and so you know we'll see what uh, you know. I think Pete was very valuable to to Russell. Us, but you know, if uh, if Sean Payton, you know, and I know Russ respects the heck out of him, so it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see him. I, I have no, obviously, any ill will. I think a lot of the texters probably do, and people that oh he did this and that, but okay, but still, I you know he was a nice guy. I think he misplayed that, but um, you know, I'd like to see. I think it would also be an interesting experiment to see that like how important coaches are. 
Maybe coaches start getting paid more because it's incredible how, you know, he went from that to this and then what Pete did with Gino. And mm-hmm. you just kind of see it across the league now. It's starting to, to appear that, you know, some guys will play really well if they get the right coaching. Matthew Stafford. I'm a Brock Purdy. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant rookie. Go. Good example. Yeah. Sweeping the dial. ESPN Bears reporter Courtney Cronin doesn't think the Bears will get as much interest in the number one pick as people expect. I don't think it's going to be as high as what's out there right now. And that's like, again, you have to sift through all the smoke screens because, you know, the idea that they can get a king's ransom for this number one overall pick after tipping their hand that they're not trying to draft a quarterback, that that takes away some of their leverage. So I don't think it's going to be... What we saw for Trey Lance, you know, the pick that the 49ers traded up for to get their quarterback a few years ago. Three firsts for that in a second. I don't think that they're going to be able to generate that. But that's what they want you to think, Courtney. So now they're going to come around and do the double psychological switch. You you can get yourself just thinking in circles on this. Well, they know yeah. that they are going to do this. So what they're going to say instead is this. But then they know that they're going to say that. So what they're going to say in response to that and yeah. not really mean it is this. And it, 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 she said in the beginning, and she called it a smoke screen. I mean, it's a it's a poker game. Everybody's everybody's you know sending out a little misinformation through their media. Look context. at this shiny thing over here. Bob. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, That's so, when we talked to Schneider about it. Like, how do you know what to believe, or how do you how do you sift through all the stuff that comes during this time of year, and and really do you cling to any of it? Do you do you take any of it as truth? You know, what you need is the girl from Poker Face. I was telling I you about that series. I'm trying to remember it, something Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone. Yeah. Yeah, so her superpower, and she's a regular person, uh, is that she knows when people are lying. She she's, can, and she's always right. Yeah, always right. And so she solves mysteries. What I really want her to do is go to a poker tournament and you know <laughs> just, do that. Just clean up. Yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe they'll they'll have that on the show. But yeah, that's uh, that would be a good uh, power to have this time of year around the draft. Yeah, it's got to be so. You know, being a GM in this this time has got to be interesting you know because you've you've got your sources everybody's got their sources and you use them in different ways and i hope we don't get used he could by john schneider he's going to use us he could he might he might say something we think he slipped oh yeah whoops oh john i'm sorry i I didn't mean to say that yeah you know and he won't even acknowledge it it'll come out that john schneider hinted at blah 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 and when actuality he'd probably be reading that going yep Yes, I did. You know, <laughs> yeah. I just I picture everybody just being the, you know, the evil genius behind the scenes. Like, right. yep, I'm going to not even I'm not even going to acknowledge I said anything. I'm going to pretend I have no idea what you're talking about. And others will think, he, I can't believe that guy. He had a brain fart if, there. <laughs> if you're him and you're like really excited about a guy and you've got like a ruse going there or you, you've you got you think it's going to. Just think how nervous you are, like the 48 hours, 72 hours leading up to the draft, just hoping that it it plays out for you. Yeah, yeah. There's no way the Seahawks are interested in player X. There's no way. Yeah. Not even hinted at it. Look, that's why they have A, 1A, you know, 2A, 3A. I mean, they've got all these different scenarios. So nobody's going to get caught by surprise. But if you really want something like that, that's got to be... Such a nerve-wracking thing to go through as a GM, and hard to contain it. Don't say anything about it. Don't talk about it. Don't yeah. <laughs> you know? Or or maybe they go over the top with it so much that people are like, 
okay, this is an act. They don't want this guy. You get everybody else thinking too much. That's, That's the true. beauty of it. All right, coming up, we'll see what El Hombre thinks about Sean Desai as the Eagles' new defensive coordinator. He's going to join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.